Sometimes, the best stories in golf aren't found on tour. You'll find them at the back of the range. And here's your host, Ben Edelberg. And once again, welcome to the Back of the Range Golf Podcast. I am your host, Ben Adelberg. This is episode 146. Another late episode this week. Yes, I know, but I've been preparing to get the hell out of town for a week. And well, you know how it goes. I hope that you all are planning on having a safe, fun, and relaxing holiday weekend. Whatever that means for you and your family, do the right thing. I know some beaches are closed. You know, I don't, I'm not even going to talk about coronavirus. Just, just do the thing. Wash your hands, be safe, get out on the golf course if you can, and spend time with your family and friends. So I had a golf trip to Kiowa canceled during Memorial Day weekend. Still pretty bitter about that, but fortunately, I have some good friends up the coast that are going to hook me up with some incredible golf for the next week or so. So I'm heading up to TPC Sawgrass to play Dyes Valley actually have a game set up with some friends that were former guests of the podcast so you'll learn more about that soon i'm heading to south carolina to play bulls bay chichesse creek and daniel island and then on the way back i figured well might as well tee it up in a florida state golf association mid-senior championship in tampa so hopefully i'll have some pretty cool pictures maybe some videos make sure that if you have not started following on social media this would be a perfect time to do so we're on Facebook, Twitter. A lot of the stuff is going to be on Instagram. The handle for the Instagram page is the Back of the Range Podcast. You know the drill. All of that is available on the website, along with every single episode. If you haven't figured it out yet, the website is thebackoftherange.com. A few mojo updates. Haley Moore, standout from Arizona. She led her team to the national championship in 2018. She racked up another win on the Cactus Tour. She is keeping her game sharp and looking for a chance to break through in the LPGA Tour. Um, Davis Riley and I had a lot of fun during our episode making fun of Will Zalatoris. Apparently, he doesn't notice because he's unconscious right now in the Corn Ferry Tour. The first three tournaments after the restart, Will has a T6, T3, and a solo fourth. And at the halfway point in this week's event in Colorado, he's leading by two. So we'll just stay away from Zalatoris, let him do his thing. Doc Redman and Scott Stallings are off to really nice starts at the Rocket Mortgage in Detroit. So hope they can keep that going. And then we come to Gene Elliott, former guest on the podcast, one of the best senior amateurs in the country who has won just about everything in the state of Iowa. If you don't believe me, ask Mike McCoy. He has competed on the national and the international level. And at the age of... Sorry, Gene. At the age of 58, is now a recipient of one of the U.S. amateur exemptions. He will be at Bandon Dunes next month. So, Gene, congrats and good luck at the U.S. amateur. I wanted to thank everyone that entered the FootJoy Pro SL shoe giveaway. Brad Elliott was the winner. No relation. So those shoes should be arriving to your door pretty soon, Brad. Thanks to FootJoy for supporting the back of the range. Um, they're massive. You know FootJoy. You know Titleist. They did not have to do that. But they believe in the podcast, and I think you're going to see some more giveaways coming up very soon. I also really appreciate the great feedback that I got from everyone about the rules of the giveaway. You know, we didn't do this on Instagram where you tag three friends and jump through some hoops. I wanted to give away the big ticket items for my core listeners. So keep on listening, and that's where you're going to find out about all of these giveaways in the future. 
My guest on this episode is Michael Beard, head coach of the Pepperdine men's golf team. Remember way back in March? I know, right? It's March. Well, along with everything else related to athletics, the college golf season was canceled. Now, there were a lot of teams looking good for a national title. Oklahoma, Baylor, Texas, Wake Forest, Florida. You know, the traditional powerhouse programs were all there. But you know who is at the top? Pepperdine. This school in Malibu, California, with a view of the Pacific Ocean from their practice facility and a student population of a whopping 7,600. They were led by their senior leader, Sahith Tagala, and freshman sensation William Mao. Both were previous guests on the podcast, so if you haven't checked out those episodes, make sure you do so. Sahith has since turned pro, but Mao will be back next year, as well as their other seniors that came back, Fiegler and McCarthy. But the guy running the show is Michael Beard, former player at Pepperdine that came back to his alma mater, and this season was awarded the National Coach of the Year Award. We spoke about Pepperdine quite a bit, hit on several topics involving the team and campus life, but if the name Beard rings a bell, yes, his father Frank Beard played on tour, won 11 times, and played on the Champions Tour during that amazing era in the 90s when Jack and Trevino and Palmer were still the Kings. So I had to ask him about that. I really enjoyed speaking with Coach Beard. And while this season was cut short, you can be certain that Pepperdine is going to be making some waves next season. Damn it, I knew I was going to do that. Let's go ahead, get this episode underway. Coach Beard, thank you so much for joining me here at the back of the range. How are you? Great. Thanks for having me, Ben. This is uh, this is going to be fun. Absolutely. Well, I'm I'm glad we're able to do it. And uh, just as a preface, I'm kind of letting listeners know as uh, as it's been like for the last two or three months when we record, because when this episode gets released, who knows what the world's going to look like. But today's uh, June 12th, and uh, you're over on the West Coast in Malibu, California. It's uh, it's 8 a.m. Uh, let's make as many listeners as possible jealous of what you're looking at right now. What's your view in Malibu right now at 8 a.m. on a Friday morning? <laughs> well, I'm actually not in Malibu. I'm in Westlake, which is just through the canyon, but um, it's not all that bad either. It's it's about 68 degrees and blue skies, so um, it's going to be a good one. Everyone pretty much is is aware of what happened on the uh, the landscape of, of college sports, the, the spring and winter seasons. They're actually canceled back in March, so no run at uh, you know uh, conference championships, regional championships, no run at a national. Goes without saying, there's a lot more. There are many people out there that are really hurting, uh, you know, compared to what it does to a collegiate golf season. But you know, you're out in the the West Coast Conference. You're not a traditional powerhouse golf conference like the Big Twelve or the SEC. You climbed to number one in the nation. You're either you're the favorite or you're in that small little handful of teams that are going to be a favorite for a national championship, you don't you don't get to be in that spot as often as maybe a Texas or a Stanford. You know, briefly, how how do you handle that news where this run uh, towards a title is not going to happen? Yeah, I mean, you're right. There there are bigger things in college golf, obviously going on right now. But um, at the time, college golf at that moment that day was was all, all we really knew, you know, yeah. all we really, um, we, we were in, we were so deep in it that that's, that's what we were at that time. And so to be honest with you at that moment, um, it was, it was at the, uh, it was the beginning of practice. It was 
uh, raining outside and um, guys are kind of looking at me as far as practice, what we're going to do, because it was starting to come down pretty good. And um, we're all walking down to the putting green and, uh, you know, one of the guys saw something on his phone. We, we, we go inside, we're looking at this and this is actually happening where they're going to cancel the season. And to be honest, it was just this feeling and it wasn't just me. We just felt devastated, you know, yeah. and I know that sounds like a pretty um, deep and um, harsh word for what's going on right now. But the moment that was what we have built this, this thing this year um, together, we really, really felt like um, that we had, we had a great shot at, at um, national championship. And it just felt devastated. There was about a 10 minute time where we didn't, no one knew what to say. We just kind of looked at each other and, you know, I'm telling the guys I'm sorry. And, and, um, you know, it took a little while until we started it registered, you know, and I said, I can't just sit here and tell them how, you know, how bummed this, is, you know, yeah. like how, how tough this is. I just tried to maybe turn it around and a little bit and say, you know, we're going to be better. You know, we, we ended at number one and, um, you guys need to be proud of yourselves. Um, so anyway, it was a really tough day. And uh, it didn't really set in even that much until till even later on as well. But um, it was it was a neat time looking back on it because we shared it together. You know, it wasn't like a, everyone was in their separate places and we just got the news and we're getting texts and everything. It was like the team was together. So in a way, it was a neat where we can all neat time where we could all look back and, you know, kind of have that remember when, you know, they cancel the season um, day kind of thing. So, yeah really tough yeah well we're gonna kind of get back into maybe some of the things that have changed since you know the season was canceled because obviously you have seniors that think they're done and then there's kind of a lifeline that's thrown out by the ncaa and i want to actually ask you some questions on how you handle that um but before we do that you actually played a little golf in your days you're not didn't weren't born a coach uh for for some people that are thinking boy that beard name sounds a little familiar yes you're son of uh you know, former PGA Tour player, uh, Frank Beard, who um, got to ask you some questions about that. But a lot of the guests I speak with, I said, well, how do you get into the game of golf? And, you know, whether it's parents that, that they follow into the game or parents that never play that just kind of said, hey, there's a junior golf program, uh, you know, go ahead and try it. See if that sport works for you. I'm guessing your start in the game is pretty much just uh, tagging along with dad on the PGA tour. I mean, is it fair to say that you spent a fair amount of time of your childhood on the PGA tour? Yeah. So, um, my, my close family and friends know this, but a lot of people don't know. My mom actually played the PGA or the LPGA tour for uh, eight years as well. Yeah. So, um, I had my mom and, and, and my dad, we were golfing family. Obviously our friends were, 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 uh, players. So, um, you know, when I was, when I was born, my dad was transitioning from, the 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 big tour um he had about a seven year eight year get window of getting ready for the senior tour or the champions tour now so um and in that time there were um he was actually a director of golf at a club down in palm springs that i would tag along with him there go to work with him and um and kind of practice and do our play junior golf all that kind of stuff mom um you know obviously supported me as well but then when i got to about nine Eight, eight and a half or nine he played on the champions tour and um that was the coolest thing for me looking back you know from from nine eight and a half till about 14 i would we would go in the summers we travel with them 
Um, you know, I'm going, security was much less yeah, uh, than, than it is now. So, I mean, I'm literally walking with him to the locker room. Trevino's in there reading the paper. You got Gary Player walking in there and Nicholas. And it's just like, I mean, that's right. Those are, those are his, um, that's his era. Right. You know? And, and uh, Palmer was still playing obviously then. And, you know, I literally would just tag along with him and go to the range. Um, you know, when it was time to play, you know, the tournament game, I, I couldn't get in the ropes, but every other time before the tournament started, I'm with him. And I got to the point where the caddies, I had these glasses when I was, when I was Asian, it looked like my dad, all the caddies would call me. There's little Frankie, little Frankie. Oh my gosh. <laughs> so, um, no, I had a blast. I learned so much without even knowing it. You know, right. I just, I kind of, just kind of by watching, um, I always tell our, our guys now, like the best thing you can do is play with guys that are better than you or um, any tour player. Just go practice with them, go play with them. Because I think once you see how it's done, once you see it, if there's something about, I don't know, guys are just competitive and, and find ways to, to, to um, you know, match or, 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 or repeat what, what, what they see. So for me, it was just even little things on how they carry themselves, how they talk, how they, you know, I mean, as, as a young kid growing up, like where you put your scorecard and your glove, where you stand yeah, on the green, stuff, yeah. stuff like that, you know, like you just kind of have to figure out on your own. And I got to see it, you know, right in front of me. So it was really neat. Not to mention my dad, like during the time he, he actually, um, you know, I remember him fin finishing second at the U.S. Uh, at, the, at the senior open one year. Uh, he won. He won only once, but he right. had like six seconds um, in like an 18 18 month span and i just i don't know just going to player dining and you know talking to all that kind of stuff yeah. that you think was so so neat for me uh, yeah, I'm, I'm thinking to myself man when i was your age or when i was that age i uh i think i went to like a summer camp where i played basketball and like you know uh you know tag and all that sort of stuff kickball that sounds like a much better summer camp than anyone could possibly imagine. Now, I don't want to put you on the spot here, but typically, you know, a kid in that in that spot, his dad may not be his favorite player. So was your dad your favorite player? I mean, obviously you're rooting for him because he's your dad, but who is a guy that you maybe spent a little much too maybe spent a little too much time hanging around where someone I said, all right, now get away get away from me, kid. What are you doing? I'm working here. I, um, you know, he had his friends that he played a lot with right? and they really liked me. So that made me feel like, or, or they kind of accepted me cause I was his son. So they accepted me. But when I, um, when, when I got to the more time I was around the summers and, and hanging with them, like Trevino, um, oh. Trevino just like was, I just had that like, wow, yeah. you know, kind of he had a different aura about him, you know, and, and I could tell when at a young age and I just loved playing with him my, when my dad would play with him, and just, just hearing him talk, watching him, you know, just the way he, he was confident. And I don't know, I just, there was something that just drew me towards him. In fact, I remember I caddied for my dad in the senior, uh, this senior event and went in, um, in 2010 and he was, it was, uh, so he was, I think maybe 70 and, um, my, my dad it was a two-man it was one of those legends Liber things. They were Liberty mutual uh yes. legends of golf yep yes and and somehow he played with him and his partner played ball the first day and the in the second day which was the final day we're paired with trevino and my kill and of course i'm like this is awesome you oh know because they can still play a little bit i mean yeah. the teaser up but i mean you could still see they're hitting shots and stuff anyway 
um, I, I remember my dad sent telling me, he's like, like, I'm, I'm really nervous, you know, <laughs> and this is, I'm, he's 70 years old. He's, you know, he's one, whatever. Right. You know, played two Ryder cups, won 12 times. And you know what I mean? The guy and, and, uh, I mean, he's done this before, right? And he's like, I'm really nervous. You know, he, he said, I just don't want to, I don't want to disappoint you. I don't want to, you know, he starts going <laughs> this, this whole list, right? Oh my God. And I'm just like fired up. I'm just, I'm, I've just uh, started coaching and I'm fired up. Like, this is great. Get to see Trevino and, and my dad kind of going at it. And, and so um, long story short, he ends up, he, he tees off, ends up shooting, um, uh, he ends up shooting 29 on the first, uh, first nine. Is this your, wait, dad, wait, wait, was this your dad or Trevino? No, my dad. Oh. And, and so we get in and, and he's, and he's nervous on every shot. Right. I mean, uh-huh. he's just like, and then he, and then he ends up shooting, um, either 31 or 32. He shot 61. So okay. I guess it would have been 32, um, shot 61 and Trevino comes up and says, Frankie, that's, that's one of the best rounds I've ever seen, you know? And, and of course he's seen a lot of better, but still it was cool at, to be a part of, um, they ended up, they ended up, uh, they ended up winning and, um, they're going to do a playoff with some other team. But anyway, it was, it was, uh, it was so neat to be, to see them kind of go, go at it kind of old, um, just old school, just reborn again. Old school. old school. Yeah. So, um, anyway, I, I really enjoyed, I always, even now when I see Trevino, he's just, he's just one of my favorite maybe personalities and, and always admire how he hits the ball and, um, just what he can do with the golf ball. So and I remember at a young age, I felt the same way. That is one thing that I'm a little concerned about with, with the game. I don't know if the champions tour, cause I guess you're, you're thinking about early nineties is kind of what you're referring yeah. to. Yeah, exactly. And, yeah. and when, when Trevino's rocking that Cadillac, uh, you know, hat and, and, yep. and yeah, I remember that. And that was such a cool era on the champions tour. And I've been to a handful of champions tour events and, I don't, I don't see it as much. I don't, I don't know if it's going to have it. I don't know if it's going to have the juice that it did when you had the personalities. Cause you know, as you know, maybe these personalities are no longer in the game and that's a, that's a whole sure. other, that's a whole other discussion, but uh, man, to be, a, I feel you. Yeah. That sounds like such a cool experience. And I'm um, now, of course you took a lot of credit for, uh, for, you know, carrying your dad to that 61. I mean, it wasn't all him. I mean, come on. <laughs> yeah. Right. I'm sure. No, it was, it was, <laughs> I was just watching. Oh yeah. You know, you get these, one of the things I tell our guys, um, you get these idea, you get this idea in your head that these guys are out there and maybe it's a little bit of the old school way of playing. I don't know. But my dad was literally, I said, dad, when was the last time on the putting green before we, before he tees off when he's telling me how scared he is and all this. And I said, when was the last time you like enjoyed playing competitive, you know, around like this? I said, why don't you think back to that and kind of get in that mental state, you know? And yeah. And he says, it's maybe, maybe in in college when I got to play 36 a day with my with my buddies. Wow. I'm like, what? Yeah. It's like he played in fear his whole career, but played pretty well. You know what I mean? Now, now I don't know. Maybe he didn't maybe if he didn't have fear, he wouldn't he would have been better or worse. I don't know. But I think part of it is the fear made it made him a but the player he was and i and i try to tell our guys that it's okay it's not going to be strolling down the fairways like you're walking in the park and you're just you know feeling great and you know everything's just great and you shoot 65 every day it's not how it's not how it is you know you got these internal battles that you're going to have to to face and still be able to perform or still have to perform at a high level 
Um, and I think that's the playing golf that a lot of the, um, you know, hopefully um, our guys at, at Pepperdine kind of learn as, as they, um, as they're in school. But um, anyway, it's, it's uh, I've been so fortunate to be able to, and I still pick my dad's brain. I mean, I'll call him. We, we talk at least once every other day. Um, you know, oh. I pretty much hear, hear the same stories, but I still ask, <laughs> That's okay. ask different questions, you know, try to get different answers, but they're still the same answers. <laughs> but, uh, but I get to, you know, pick his brain and, and he's, he, um, he's, he's a thinker. So, yeah. so, it, you know, it's not like, um, you know, he, he's, he puts some time into, you know, what, what he believes and, 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 and what he's saying. So, you know, I, I get a lot out from talking to him too so it's been great that's awesome um well it it, it's interesting you know you you, you're the head coach obviously right now at pepperdine but you played there you know you had this great um you know all west coast conference career there from 99 to 2002 and all american honorable mention i mean you had this great career but you know just by you talking and you know being behind the scenes of what it takes to be a professional golfer I'm guessing that kind of shapes how you look at playing collegiately or were you just so excited to play college golf that you hadn't thought about what it would take to be a professional yet? Uh, no, I, I mean, it was from when I was six, I wanted to play the PGA tour. Okay. I mean, that this was, um, this was a huge, uh, determining factor on where I was going to go to school. Um, now my dad, well, my, my dad obviously knew the Geibergers down on the regular tour before I was born, but sure. on the senior tour, uh, the senior tour knew them, knew them fairly well too. And I remember, uh, when I would caddy for my dad, um, John, uh, John Geiberger would be out there caddying and, and got to know them. Me personally, got to know them a little bit when, when, uh, I, I was quite a bit younger, but I got to know them at least familiar with them, um, during the senior tour. And then when, uh, John Geiberger got the job at Pepperdine it made it even more of a, just kind of a connection that I had to, to, um, to the school now close to home. And I, I, you know, I trusted, I knew who, who, where I was going, I knew who, who was going to be kind of looking after me. So I was always felt comfortable, um, with that decision, but yeah, I mean, it Pepperdine, I mean, they're the, the location, obviously at, oh, at the yeah. time, I, you know, I, I had, um, I, I was a, fairly i was a good junior golfer not like the best by any means i was i was good enough to get recruited by you know some top um upper you know echelon schools with uh, texas and usc um and unov and, and um, asu and i just felt like pepperdine was um was going to make me a better i wasn't worried about the golf for some reason i just wasn't worried that about okay. like you know, I've got to have this facility or this. I just felt like that I was going to make, I was going to be the one that was going to determine whether I was going to be ready to go to that next level. And I felt like Pepperdine was going to get me in a place where I'd kind of grow more as a person than some of the other schools. And I don't know, there was just something about it that made, that felt like home to me, you know, felt right. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's, it's great that you're saying that that was your experience going into Pepperdine because in, in previous conversations I've had with collegiate coaches and college players, I always ask that question, like, you know, how important is it to find the right fit? Not only a place where you're going to, you know, be able to, obviously, you know, the, the academics is a, is a piece of it. And then also, you know, finding a place where you can play. So it sounds like that's a place that fit you perfectly. And I'm guessing you relate that information to, 
when you're recruiting or, or incoming uh, incoming players? Because as you well know, you have to be at a place where you're comfortable and you can play. For sure. I mean, you know, I'm not sure. I mean, I see it all the time. You know, kids, maybe me playing at Pepperdine, you know, I wouldn't have had a, as um, as good of a career if I played at, at another, a bigger school. I don't know. You know, I mean, it, at the time, it felt like it fit me and I was going to be able to um, achieve my goals there and, and, and all that. And I see that when recruiting, um, kids, you know, sometimes you get kids that they're just maybe wired a little different or, or, or they just want the bit, I shouldn't say wired different, just wired away where they want, um, the bigger, bigger school football and, and right. they want um, the traditional just, college experience. Yeah. You're right. Of course. Yeah. And, and Pepperdine's not that way. You know, if you're serious about golf and, you know, maybe, maybe you're looking to not have those, some of those distractions. Um, it's a great, it's a great place. If, if, um, if you're looking to play the tour and kind of learn and, and, and grow as a person too. So, um, but I definitely have seen players and I have a few on our team and we talk about it all the time that if they were in another, another school, I'm not sure they would have had the success they've had just because they found the right, you know, fit for them in, in the right environment where they could kind of be them sure. and not, um, just kind of be another another body. Well, I also like the fact that uh, your driving range faces the Pacific Ocean. Let's not let's not you know fail fail to mention that. When I've spoken to a couple of your uh, current players or uh, or a couple of your players, Sithigala uh, and William Mao, I mean that was uh, uh, clearly something that uh, that's a, that's a nice perk when your range isn't facing like a net and it's facing the Pacific Ocean. So yeah, that's a nice selling point. So I, I mean, so you you get into coaching after you, you play professionally for, for a handful of years and you played a couple of PGA tour events, you're on nationwide Canadian tour. You know, I, I love trying to figure out when a college coach gets the bug. So mm. was it something that you, you know, were destined to do, or is it something that was coach Guyberger say, Hey, why don't you, you know, come back and, and, and try this out. I need some help. How did your entry into collegiate coaching start? When I, when I turned pro, um, I, I, you know, the, my whole life, this is all in my mind, all, you wanted to do. All, I, all I wanted to do. And, um, I went to extreme links to, um, to get everything out of my game and turned over every rock to see, you know, what I can do to get better. And, um, it got to the point where, you know, when I got out of school, I had school that kind of, kind of occupied my day for half the day and right. then when i got when i got when i turned pro it's like oh my gosh i've got like eight to ten hours i can just grind on this you know i can do this this is awesome you know like this was like heaven to me right to go out there and to be able to really have the full day to get better and you know i i, I um i kind of was in this this uh this this circle where i just would keep keep trying and, and then not, not get where I want to go, then keep trying, you know, and, and it just got to where it was, um, it meant too much to me almost, I think. Right, and it got right. to where it got to where like I'm playing tournaments and I could just, I don't know at the time, but looking back on it, I felt like I was just giving each shot too much power, you know, and rather than just going and playing and, and just accepting what's going to happen. So anyway, um, 
and in 2010 is where I realized that, wait a minute here, my, my way is not working, you know? So it took me about eight years to figure that out. <laughs> okay. Okay. Uh, I mean, I had some success on the way, but not anything to where I, I, I felt like that, um, you know, I'm going to keep, you know, I, you know, I felt like that we're really heading in the right direction. So anyway, I, I, 2010, I was like, you know what? I just, I need, my wife actually convinced me of like, maybe you just need a different perspective on it. My dad actually helped me with it too. But, um, so it, and, and, and randomly enough, the assistant at the time, Brendan Von Dorn, um, who works for the PGA tour now was, was moving on. And I had kept in touch with the program, um, a little bit here and there. And, and, um, I would see John down in the desert sometimes and I'd come up and visit every once in a while. So I, I kind of knew the program, what was going on. And, um, a while back he had mentioned, Hey, Brennan's going to be done at the end of this year. Not sure what you're doing. Um, and then, you know, at first I'm like, no way, you know, I, yeah, there's not no way I'm not yeah. coaching. What am I coaching? No, you know, this isn't for me. Um, and it just hit me that summer. Um, we had a six month old at the time and I'm like, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of teaching slash playing and you know, we're barely making any money. What are we doing? You know? And, right. and so, uh, I said, well, I'll go over there and talk to, to, uh, to coach and just see, see what he has to say. So I go over and talk to him and, and I said, you know what? Um, give me a couple of weeks. Um, this sounds good. Let me give me a couple of weeks. I kind of did it for my wife. And then I came back and, we were going somewhere and we just decided, you know what, let's do it. Let's pack up and let's do it. And then, you know, let's, let's take a, take a kind of a leap of faith here and do it. I need a different perspective on it. But the idea was not to get into coaching to coach. The idea was to more just give me a different perspective on my own game. It, I still, John convinced me that I could still play um, a little bit here and there and be the assistant coach. So I said, this is a good deal for me. You know, yeah. I get to be around guys, help guys. Um, you know, we got a good team coming up this year. I know I knew some of the players that were that were uh, coming back. And um, I'm like, this is going to this will be a great little break, you know. So I was going to make some money and still play. And, you know, it all made kind of sense. And then and then I got in three months into it and I had Andrew Putnam on the team, Josh Anderson, um, a guy named Johnny MacArthur, um, a couple other guys that I got to be pretty close with. And I just said, Whoa, this is, this is what I need to be doing. You know, yeah. it's like all of a sudden it took the last eight years of me trying to put, well, actually more than that, cause it was in college and junior golf too, but putting so much energy and effort into making myself better. This was the first time in my life really where I could take it off of myself and try to help these nine guys. And it was kind of like, a weight lifted off, off my shoulders actually. And, um, and, and I just, I just loved it. I just loved it. It was, it was, uh, we had a great time. We made the national national championship that year and I had a great connection with the players and, um, and learned so much on the way. The first tournament I walked with, uh, I walked with Josh Anderson for 36 holes and he won the tournament by like three shots. Okay. <laughs> and then this, in the second tournament, I walked with, uh, Andrew Putnam and he won the turn his tournament. So I was like, "Whoa, this is easy!" <laughs> Magic yeah. touch. You know what you're doing. Two, two for two. I mean, gosh, I should be look look into this a little bit further. But um, but anyway, yeah, it was it was a great kind of opening experience for me, and I haven't haven't really um, looked back since then. 
That's crazy. Um, I mean, you're basically sold on this idea of like just come and practice for a little bit and uh, hang out with the guys and share some tips and tricks. And then now, it, you know, years later, you're winner of, uh, you know, Dave Williams National Coach of the Year. So uh, I'm guessing you didn't see that being added to your resume when you first got into it. No. In, in fact, I had, um, like I said, that when that three months kind of window hit uh, and I realized, okay, this is what I need to be doing. Um, it then turned into the next six months or so turned into, okay, if, if this is what I want to be doing um, and if I'm going to, um, you know, be great at this, I've got, I've got to look at, you know, what would be the best avenue to be a head coach. If I'm going to be a head coach, what would be the best avenue to be a head coach? Sure. Um, and, um, is it, do I stay at Pepperdine for three years and, and then would that give me a chance to be a coach or do I go to another place and kind of learn something, uh, learn something there and, and, and then, um, and then will that better equip me? You know, so I had, I had a lot of, um, I didn't know, I didn't know the, the coaching world. I didn't know the business or, so I was kind of just learning everything on the fly. And, and, um, I actually, uh, knew Tim Mickelson a little bit uh, when we were in college and um, had friends that knew him really well. So I kind of knew him through friends. Um, but he was the head coach at San Diego at the time. And um, he was very um, helpful with just bouncing ideas and asking questions. I could always go to him. You know, in the springtime, I remember going to him, hey, what do you think? What do you think? If I want to do this, where should I go? He had already been coaching for, I don't know, eight eight years or so. And they had a great team. They made it to um, maybe the final eight or close to the final eight. I can't remember, but anyway, they were the best team in the conference and um, he had really, really had a nice program over there and at San Diego. And I just always remember picking his brain saying, you know, he's kind of a business guy too. You know, he kind of knows how it, um, his mind works that way. So I, I, um, I, I trusted him and felt comfortable talking with him, but, um, at the end of that year, he actually got the job at Arizona state as the head coach. So after my first year as an assistant, he, he got hired as a head coach at as Arizona state. And, um, before he had even gotten that job, he had already kind of shared, Hey, you know, maybe you should be looking at uh, other places at some point you're going to be, you're going to have more value to yourself. If you have more experiences than just Pepperdine, because you played there and right. now you coach there. Makes sense. Uh, yeah. So. So we, um, so sure enough, he had me on an interview, his, when he got the job, he had me, had me on an interview in like July as one of the three candidates or to be his assistant. And, um, you know, I, I don't know if he just didn't like the other two or that he liked me, but he ended up hiring me that year. And, um, gosh, I learned so much that first year. Um, I was there for a year and a half and, and just our first recruiting class was John Rom and Max Rotliff and Alberto Sanchez. Um, so yeah. And, but I learned so much from Tim. I mean, he, he just, you know, he just worked hard every day and I learned, I really, really learned what it was like to, to work hard as, as a coach. Cause I didn't know this, it was all still new to me. You know, I could be with the guys and help them with their golf, but there's so many other things than just, helping, helping them with their golf, you know, and, and I learned that from Tim. Yeah. You ultimately go back to Pepperdine for your head coaching gig. So you spent a year and a half as an assistant at a, you know, I guess we could say a traditional golf powerhouse in the pack 12, as opposed to it, maybe Pepperdine isn't the traditional one from the West coast conference. You mentioned, you know, some, some kids fit in, they want that bigger 
college experience, um, you know, some don't. So I, I, as someone that went to Pepperdine and then ultimately became the head coach there, uh, maybe what did you see at a a bigger program? I don't want to say bigger as far as better necessarily, but just as far as the scale and the scope. Like, what were some of the things that you saw that real you realized? Well, maybe this isn't for me as a long term uh, option as far as being a head coach at a big university. Yeah, that's good. That's a good question. Good way to put it. Um, so, a couple things I, I noticed, um, and you're right. It was an adjustment for me as a as an employee or as a coach too. Um, you know, when I look at it as a, from a player's perspective, it's different than how I look at it from a, um, from a coaching perspective. If it was a college, if I was a college kid, um, the school is obviously quite a bit different. Um, but when you look at the golf portion of it, when you look at the, it's really not that much different, right? you know, and, and, and I look at it as an employee, it's, and, and as a, yeah, as a coach there, and at Pepperdine, it's way different. You know, I mean, it's it's um, much bigger in not just um, size, but there's just there's just more. There's a whole lot more going on there. Um, sure. there there's you have the Phoenix community, you know, that is that is um, that is right there with Malibu. You know, Malibu doesn't have a huge golfing community. You know, I mean, it's right. uh, you have the Phoenix community that you're that you're juggling there. There's you know tons of courses there that um you know all that kind of stuff it's just different in and the expectation at asu is is very high you know the the one thing that um i learned from tim it was actually great we weren't very good that first year um i think we were or we were ranked like 80th um so for asu it was it was it was very good and i learned how basically um kind of built rebuild um with tim and and i think that the next year i think they got to uh they got to match play or close to match play i can't remember but it was i think match play and so it was like a big turnaround you know and so i learned i learned that from from tim no question my first year at asu um i i just i remember going to asu and i remember because i got over there early um my wife was still at Pepperdine kind of, we were getting all our stuff together and moving our stuff over. And I remember calling her and saying, Oh boy, I think I made a bad, I think I made the wrong decision. <laughs> <laughs> I don't, I don't know if this is, this is, this is the, this is the right place for me. And, uh, it was just so different. And sure enough, after a week there, I was like, no, this is, this is great. This is awesome. This is exactly what we need. But it was just that it was just so big. You're right. It was so big. I think football, makes a big uh difference um i'm not with pepperdine not having a football team that we don't have that doesn't run our department you know this isn't all about right um football you know so um that was that was i'd never experienced that and and um that was eye-opening for sure but um yeah it was it was so different it seemed like it might have been a little bit um a little bit of extremes you know smaller school um to to a big Pac-12, um, you know, Power Five school or whatever. I mean, there there are differences, but but when you get down when you get down to the golf part, it really isn't that much different. Right. But when you down the school and the experience, it is different. Yeah, I'm guessing if you could just keep that nice and insulated, it'd be fine. But when you add everything and there's the scale and the scope of a massive university and a massive you know organism, massive, it, yeah, just yeah, yeah. fifty-five. There the the biggest public school 
in the country. I don't know if it still is, but when I was there, it was. I mean, there's 55,000. We have we have like 4,000 at Pepperdine, you know, yeah. and that's a big difference. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, let's – all right, so let's talk a little bit about your your team at Pepperdine. I mean, I, I had Sahith Gala on the podcast, I believe it's episode 101, and I'm sure every time you're sitting down and talking to someone like me, um, you're getting, uh, your his name is coming up. I mean, all American, you know, twice and Haskins award this year, Hogan award. I, I know he has a chance for kind of the triple crown when they announced the Nicholas award winner at the Memorial this year. So let me ask you for the casual golf fan that maybe is just now getting on the Hovland, Wolf, Morikawa, Neiman train where they're, they're transitioning in newer faces and maybe, you know, transitioning out the Furyk and the Strickers and maybe the Mickelsons, you know, they're looking for new young stars to follow. You know, he's, he is going, he's turned pro. What are, what is going to draw golf fans to Sahithigala? Mm. Well, and you could be as partial as you want to. Yeah, you just coached him yeah. for four years, so you can sell him. Feel free to do it. <laughs> I, I love having the opportunity to talk about him and to share, um, just how special he is. Um, I, people will eventually see it and find out here. Um, I hope here in the next, I don't know, I want to say two to five years, um, we'll see how special he is, but this kid has it. Um, I mean, he is, you know, just a, a, a class person off the golf course as much as he is on. Um, he is unique in so many different ways. Um, I mean, I, I love talking about him and sharing stories about him. I mean, he is, I've never seen anyone process, um, the game the way he does. Um, he, the whole idea of score to him is unlike anything that most, at least college golfers. And I think most average golfers, um, but most college golfers, your golfers, the way it's, it's the way they look at it is nothing. The way South looks at it. he, um, he has a, a unique way of um, separating the two uh, uh, of score, what you shoot, um, even on a hole, uh, let alone what you shoot in the round. Um, he has a, a unique way of separating that and who who he is um, as a person. They never they never go together, you know, it, it, to him. I mean, they're, they're, they, they almost don't even uh, they're not even in, in the same category in his mind you know i mean he could make an eight on a hole and he's going to feel the same way about himself going to the next tee that he would if he made it if he made a three you know what i mean it, it's just how he is it doesn't affect and then the same thing as if he's got a 20 20 footer to win um or a 20 footer for par it's to him it's a 20 footer it, it doesn't it's not um it doesn't mean anything extra to him you know so um, anything more important. So that I've seen over the years is so refreshing and um, so unique in, in how the normal golf, you know, um, how we all are, you know, I sure. mean, oh, I got this putt to win or, you know, I'm going to be, you know, I, I'm going to have this putt to go to a tournament or, or whatever, you know, whatever it is, he doesn't, um, he just separates them. And I think that's a huge um, quality to have. The kid, as far as golf goes, the kid has a such a great imagination. Um, he loves to curve the ball. You know, when it comes to his golf swing, he knows 
kind of certain things in his swing, like rhythm wise, if it's off or not, but he's not going to sit there and grind on positions, you know, in his swing. I mean, that's just not who he is. Um, He would much rather if he's hitting it bad, um, you know, sometimes he'll even go to say, Hey, let's just go play. You know, let's just go play. It'll, it'll kind of work itself out rather than most of us are sitting there and just go, you know, trying to find the right, exact weight transfer to firing your hits and all that kind of junk. Um, but, but he, uh, he loves, you know, he'll just go play. I mean, I'm not to say he won't put two or three hour range session in. It's just not, um, there's just a time for that. It's just not all the time. Will he do that? Um, he is just, you know, I don't know. I mean, they'll see, everyone will see it. Um, but he just has a, um, he loves the game. He loves to play the game. And I think that, um, what I see in Phil, I don't know, Phil. Um, I think, uh, I mean, I know him through Tim. I've met him once or twice, but I don't really know Phil. Um, but from what Tim says, it sounds similar in that they just love, you know, I, th- I think Phil's been successful for so long. Obviously he's, he's one of the best players ever, but sure. he just loves golf. You know, I right. mean, if he's doing, if he did it for the money, you know, I mean, you know, he probably wouldn't. I don't know. This is just me an outsider here, but probably wouldn't be where he is right now. He loves to play. And I think that's what I've, I've kind of seen with Scythe is he'll play. I mean, his first pro event was an outlaw tour event. You know, I mean, some of these top guys are waiting to get their first tour start and that's their first um, pro event. I mean, he doesn't care. He just wants to go play. You know, he went and played in a 40 man field in Arizona in 110 degree weather. And, um, you know, I mean, he, he grew up at a course, at you know the greens and i mean the condition was just cow pasture yeah you know yeah Yeah. i mean he used to tell me i have a great story he used to tell me uh well when i recruited him originally um i had him on campus and we showed him our 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 kind of range on on campus and i usually i get a sense of if a kid likes it or not you know after we get through that part and and i just just i said to him i said so what do you think and he said he said, coach is great. And, uh, and he said, uh, I said, well, where do you practice at home? You know, like what, this is like when I first could talk to him, you know, and, and I, and I, he said, well, we, we can't really, you know, we don't have a membership at a club or anything. So I, I, I play, you know, I play at this public course near my house, but, um, I get all my practice done when I go to tournaments and cause all their, their facilities are way better than what I'm used to. So I just get all my practice done there at tournaments. Oh <laughs> and I mean, here's a guy, if you look at his, if you look at his like junior career, like the kids played in like 5,000 tournaments, you know, he doesn't go practice on the range. He goes and plays in tournaments, you know, and he kind of figures it out there. And, and if you could imagine doing that since you were six years old, I mean, you imagine what you're, what kind of like, the wiring you have, you know, of I mean, course. this guy just loves to play, you know, he loves to play. And, um, I mean, I, I mean, I could sit here and tell you story after story about, about him. I mean, he is, um, he's just so special. I think all the guys in the team see it and know it. And, um, I know they do. And, and we're just, we're rooting for him and, and can't wait to see him break through when he, when he turns pro here. I, I, I um, as far as his game goes, you know, I think that, um, he may, um, his driving has gotten so much better and his iron game has gotten so much better. He used to be a wild driver and he used to hit his distances with his irons all over the place. I mean, he could have seven iron, 160 yards and he could hit it in 100, 
95 easily, you know? So it was always hard clubbing them. Um, cause I didn't know what, what was going to come out of there. <laughs> if it was yeah. going to come off a hard draw or a soft cut. Um, but he, uh, he's really gotten, I think the, his wrist surgery has helped him, um, with that actually where he can't kind of manufacture the, um, the face as much. Um, so he, he still has it in there, but it's, it's definitely more, more controlled distance wise. And, um, he's used, he's learned to use his body a little bit better. I think with his wrist, not having as much flexibility, maybe now that he uses his body a little bit better. I don't know. This is just what I see, but yeah. it, 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 uh, definitely more of a controlled game. Um, but isn't afraid to turn the ball still. I mean, this guy, he can hit, you know, 40, 50 yard slices on call, um, in a tournament. Um, and like, that's just, that's just like a normal guy hitting a three yard draw. You know I mean? He just loves it. <laughs> he loves sounds it. Sounds like, sounds like a throwback actually. This doesn't sound he, like, he, Yeah. He kind of does. He has a little bit of Bubba in him with that. You know I mean? I'm telling you, if he gets nervous, um, on a tee shot or anything, he'll just aim it out of bounds and hit this. 30 yard cut literally into the fair. He, I mean, he's not afraid to aim <laughs> so far left out of bounds and play it right over that, you know, at, over OB and put it, put it in the fairway. So, wow. um, anyway, yeah. All right. So did you, you said you had plenty of stories about us, uh, but let me ask you this one. One of the most notable collegiate victories, I think in a long time is the Southwestern invitational where he wins the individual. You guys win the team title as well. Um, but probably a lot of people surprised to see a, a college golfer wearing a Kobe Bryant jersey uh, in competition. Uh, obviously, he's a big Kobe fan, and he brings the jersey out walking up 18 um, with, I mean, he still had to two-putt that final green. Did you know he was going to do that, or did that come as a surprise to, to you as much as everyone else? Um, I didn't know he was going to do that, but he he at the in the moment I didn't. Um, he came up until he came up to me or I met him in the fairway. I think I can't remember if I was walking down, I might've caught him on 17 and I was walking with him 17 and 18. And, um, and he, cause I wanted him to know exactly where the other guys were. Um, cause he was playing with Chen on you and, um, UFC kid who's in second. So he, uh, I want to know where he was as far as, cause sometimes the live scoring, they, they don't know all the time. And right, I'm looking right. at my phone and I can tell I'm talking to the coach. So I think I was there. I was there. I came up to him on either 17 and I was walking with him to 18. And, um, it was funny, like two years. So he actually won this tournament as a, as a sophomore. And, um, and he was in the fairway, not to back up on you here, but it was kind of a fun story. He was in the Good. fairway. Um, he shot like 66, 67, the first two rounds and he's in the fairway on 18, the final round. He's not having his game. I mean, he's hitting it everywhere. He's maybe a couple over, maybe one or two over. And, um, cause he's getting up and down from everywhere. And, uh, um, and he gets over in the right rough. Somehow he hits his drive and he's almost out of bounds. He's in the right rough. And he's like, coach, I, my, I don't know where I'm at right now. Just tell, give me a club and tell me where to hit it. <laughs> nice. <laughs> and uh, so I could tell he was the first time I really saw him kind of nervous uh, because he just wasn't in control of his game. And um, so, so anyway, we just got in there, hit a nine iron, just put a left side of the green. Let's get out of here. And uh, so here he comes down 18 again, and he has a one shot lead. Yeah. And um, so he hits it down the fairway, stripes it. And, um, we get to the, we get to the second, like, uh, no, he hits his second shot on the green now. 
and he says, Hey coach, I got Kobe's Jersey in my bag. Um, you think, how do you think that would look if I, if I brought it out and, and you know, and, and wore it walking up to the green, like you, you think that's too much. And I'm like, Sad. no, dude, this is you. He's like, you got to go with your heart. You know, I'm not going to sit here and tell you, he's like, he's, and I just kind of stopped talking. He said, okay, okay. And then he put, so he put it on and, and, um, and, and, and did it. And he, oh, oh, in, in that he said, Hey, I mean, even if I was one down, I would do this, you know, or, you know, See, I just, I just awesome. feel like I need, I need to do it. You know, it's not about me winning. I just want to, I just need to do it. And, um, I said, do it, do it then. And it was way more, way better received than, than he was thinking it might, um, might look, you know, I mean, I think everyone was, was clapping and Kobe yelling Kobe when he got done, you know, they loved it. It, it wasn't, it didn't like rub, it wasn't that rub it in your face kind of thing at right, all, right. you know? Um, and I think partly it's cause I know, they know what kind of kid he is and he wouldn't be that way, but sure. yeah, I mean, I, it was a special moment for sure. Um, you know, tough for all of us being literally, it was like three miles from where we were on Sunday. I mean, it wasn't even that far away, um, when it happened and it was just kind of, a, it just hit us hard. Um, and for him to do that. And I mean, it was really, really special moment. Yeah. He shoots a uh, 70, 68, and that was a 66 that he shot in that final round. So that was, uh, that was incredible. You mentioned, um, Mention the other guys in the team. Uh, you know, you have this incoming freshman, uh, William Mao, who I've actually had to, I've been able to speak with as well. And uh, this is not necessarily a question comparing, you know, uh, Sahith and, and William, but, you know, they're, they're right there neck and neck on, you know, stroke average. You know, you got this one guy who is the clear leader of your team. Then you have another one who's just an incoming freshman, AJGA All-American. And I'm guessing, you know, you got to, you want to encourage these freshmen to, to, to play their best and you want them to compete on the team and find a spot. You don't want to put them in a box, but you know, he's also a freshman has to understand that there are seniors that have been on the team you know, for a longer period of time, how do you approach that balance on a team? Are you kind of hands off and let things just organically develop or do you kind of get right into it yourself to help maybe shape the culture of that team balancing, you know, a very young player and then a established leader? Other than when Sog was a freshman, I had a similar thing where we had our senior was our best player, and then the freshman coming in was going to be our second best player, right. if not the, our, our best player. So, but Sog's Fred was, or, I'm sorry, the senior that time when when Sog was a freshman was a very strong um, kind of dominant personality, and Sog was not. Was that Fred Sahith Weddle? Was, yes, yes, Fred Weddle. Yes, he was a dominant personality, and for and and. Um, and Sahith was, was not, so it was a little bit easier, um, to kind of, uh, than how it was this year. Um, so William is a very strong personality and Sahith's more of, I'll just let, let the clubs do the talking kind of mentality, you know? And, um, so this one was a little bit different, um, in a good way though, it brought out the best in Sahith for sure. I mean, it was, um, he was challenged. He hated, he did not want to give up his like, you know, Hey, I'm a senior kind of thing, get number one spot, but he enjoyed it. It wasn't like he was afraid of it. He, he enjoyed it. Right. And with Mao, um, you know, I, I, he was great in understanding, Hey, this isn't my time to come in and be the guy right now, but I'm going to, I'm going to try to be the guy, but he knew that it wasn't, 
it was still Saha's team. Sure. And, you know, whether it was in meetings or, um, you know, his voice wasn't as now next year, I think it would be a little different, but he just kind of took a back seat with that, which was hard for him because he's very, um, you know, he's just a strong personality. And, um, but it was great because it helped, it pulled a lot of that stuff. It, it helped Saha become a little bit more that way. And, um, and they both hated losing to each other, both of them. I mean, Mao and I mean, they would go at it. I mean, they'd go play nine holes and they come back. Let's go putt. You know, let's go chip. Let's go putt again. You know, they'd stay till dark and until someone won, you know. And um, so I don't think it ever really turned into like who's number one, who's number two. I think it got to the point where, you know, I, I just kept telling him, I said, we've got the best one, two players in the country, you know, and I and I it became more of we're doing this together rather than I'm competing against you. But I think he felt like um, they still didn't like to lose to each other. You know what I mean? Uh, um, but you're right. It's, it is a different um, each year's every personality is a little bit different um, with with that. I don't really have a, 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 um, a, a kind of uniform way to approach it. Um, but I, I, we do have this. We do have a kind of a rule that as a freshman, you have to earn your your spot as far as your first tournament you can't you're not going to get picked you're not going to get a coach's pick i don't care who you are as a freshman um early on as your as your first first tournament so right um going back to Saith, he actually finished sixth in our first in his first qualifier as a freshman he finished sixth and um and we were taking five and that fifth guy was the senior who had just won our conference championship the year the year before and I remember going to talking to my assistant at the time. I said, are we really leaving this kid behind to his first tournament? What are we doing? You know, and I was just like, oh, we got to do it. We got to do it. So he actually, he actually didn't qualify for his first tournament. <laughs> and uh, and with Mao, his first his first uh, qualifier this year, he um, as for the first tournament. He he I think he might have won by by about six <laughs> <laughs> okay that so, means uh so that he means qualified. he's going yeah yeah, yeah. yeah he's going yeah uh, so um you have a very deep team i know we're talking a lot about mao we're talking about uh, Sahis, <laughs> but you know you have fiegler mccarthy they're coming back actually for another senior season you got um you have this really deep team where i don't think you've had a very consistent lineup this past year you've had different lineups it, is that just kind of like the way you that kind of the way you like it? You just set up a lot of qualifiers and be like, all right, let's see who's got it. Let's see who are my five are this time. Or do you, um, I mean, how, do you yes. how do you set up a qualifying format where you have such a strong lineup? I mean, how do you set that up? Yeah, so this this was um, unique this year. Uh, we usually do qualifiers every tournament, but um, this year was this this year was a was a a strange uh well it was it was a great problem to have right it was really tough, really tough and we're it's going to be the same way next this next year um and but what it did was we did we had a we had a qualifier as 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 um if we could we did it before every tournament so everyone had a chance to play we had a couple individual tournaments where if you didn't qualify that you could play in some individual um events but we had i mean we had 10 guys all we had all 10, 10 guys last year uh, finish in the top 10 in a tournament. You know, some might have been an, individ, an individual tournament, but they actually finished in the top 10 in their tournament that they played, Crazy. which was to, to us. It was it felt like, hey, if someone's slacking or if someone's not uh, there, there's another guy behind them that that can play just as good, if not better than them at that 
you know, at that, in that moment or at that time. So, um, we were okay with, um, taking whoever obviously qualified. Um, but if I were looking back on it at some point, you're right. We didn't have, we didn't, we had a different team in every tournament we played in. And at some point, you know, you can only take five, you know, the national championship. So at some point we needed to have some sort of continuity and the guys needed to know, you know, who, who their team was and who they, if they could count on them and stuff like that. So um, we were getting to the point where we would have to start um, at least the top three guys were, were going to start to, you know, kind of solidify their spot and then kind of fight for the last two. But it really made qualifying um, a place where they were more nervous in qualifying than in tournaments. I, I was just going to say, I'm, yeah. I'm thinking to myself, these qualifiers just had to have been absolutely vicious. Oh, they were insane. It's almost like the, ter- it sounds like the tournament is just like, Hey, let's go on a golf vacation. Yeah, exactly. I mean, in a way it was just like, okay, now we just show up and play, you know, it's like, usually it's the other way, you know, you practice, you practice. And now it's, uh, you get to a tournament like, okay, I really want to do well, you know? And, and it wasn't that way with our guys, which it turned out to be really good for us. And, um, you know, there's a balance there of, of, you know, making sure you have the best team, but then you also, there's things you learn during tournaments too. You know, I mean, if you have a, uh, a Josh McCarthy, who's a great player, he's played in three national championships and, and he's not getting in the tournament to kind of see where, you know, you learn a lot in, in tournaments, you know, and he's not getting in the tournaments to learn those things you know, what, do you, what do, are, are we really helping the kid? So it, it, it's, it was a challenge. It's going to be a challenge this year, but we have, since we've already done it once, um, I think we have a good, a pretty good plan um, for this next year. And, and again, adding those extra tournaments really helps because, I mean, we had Dylan Menante, who's, um, he was a freshman um, this last year and he played in like a couple individual tournaments before his first team event and his first team event he finished 12th which is in cow's event second team event he finished like 14th you know and you know like he shot 65 the last day you know so he he had those tournaments to in a way the junior or the um individual tournaments in in a way to kind of just get his feet wet and get his kind of confidence up and now he knew when he went to team events he he willing to play but uh ready to play but i i really do feel like the qualifying um, component making that um, competitive is um, is a huge is a huge thing that we need to have going forward. Um, and I, I learned so much from that this year. And and it, it started prior to that. You know, it started prior to that when I first started as a coach at Pepperdine. It was it was a joke. Um, you know, I had a guy. I mean, there were guys that just didn't take it seriously, and it was like we didn't know it's just flipped totally flipped and and it's it's neat to get out there and they're they're like getting out to qualifying and practice early trying to get ready who's going who where are we going you know yeah. what, how many how many we take and i mean it's it's like it's vicious intense. yeah wow <laughs> i have to ask you you've had these this great season where you you know finished number one you know finished ranked number one you win coach of the year you had you had three te- you know three wins and a couple of seconds um, I, I've spoken with several college golf coaches after their big wins, and for some reason, the meal of choice is fast food. So we're going to have a little fun here. I've heard McDonald's, I've heard Chick-fil-A, and I'm a native Floridian. I've not made it out to California very much in my life. Um, walk me through what a, a hungry Pepperdine golf team 
what kind of uh, what kind of an onslaught did they do to an In and Out Burger? <laughs> well, um, Mao takes it deep. Mao might do a. a <laughs> Mao might be doing a six by six. Yeah, Mao. Mao all right, what's a six by six? I don't know all the lingo and codes, unfortunately. Yeah, so a six by six is is six patties and six cheeses. So, um, you're literally having six burgers on there, you okay. know, in one. <laughs> and uh, I mean, I think I think uh, Sahas not afraid to take down two double doubles. Um, you know, Blaine, our associate head coach, he's definitely not afraid to take a couple double doubles down. Um, no, we have a fun time and you're right. We have, um, celebrated it in our, uh, when we land in the air, when we land in, uh, in LA, we would definitely stop it in and out as a kind of a celebration. But, um, one of the things I, I learned from my dad, my mom and dad, actually, um, when they were playing, um, was, um, during the, during the, the week, you know, like the Oscar, they used to always tell me, he's like, Hey, you you play like you eat or something like that. And, and, you know, make sure, you know, you're always having a good meal before, before your tournament. So I've kind of gone, um, over for a tournament round. So I've kind of gone a, a, a little extreme with that, um, with our guys. And, um, I mean, some of the places we go, these guys have never even heard of It's It's pretty fun, but it's fun to take them to nice places and, and to kind of spoil them a little bit. Um, you know, I think that, Sometimes it started like, oh, why are we doing this? You know, but um, I think the guys are enjoying it now. And, and I got to be careful because the expectation is hard to keep, you know, upping, upping what we've been doing. Yeah, but, you, uh, yeah <laughs> they, they can't have just like lobster tail and, and filet. No, no, yeah, you just, yeah no. There's a certain limit to the uh, to the expense account at, at Pepperdine, I'm guessing. So what um, before I let you go, I want to ask you, you know, Sahith is leaving, he's turning pro, but McCarthy and Fiegler are coming back. Uh, I'm sure that those conversations are tough. And as I alluded to earlier, uh, you know, you think your season's over and then you get this lifeline from the NCAA where your seniors can come back for another season of eligibility. I mean, briefly, how do you have that? I mean, was there, was it just a non-starter with Sahith? I mean, with him racking up awards, I mean, that's the time where he has to turn pro to take advantage of a lot of opportunities. But I mean, what are those conversations like with, um, with your other established seniors, Fiegler and McCarthy, how how do you weigh and balance, um, you know, what they do? Do they come back? Do they turn pro? Uh, can you briefly explain just that that process you had? Sure, um, it made it a little bit easier for them to think about coming back because um, they were planning on doing the Canadian tour, uh, Q School, and that that had gotten canceled. And so I think if they had a place to play, it might have been a little bit different, um, but. When I spoke to him, um, you know, I remember talking to Josh and kind of laying out the options for him. And, um, you know, he he cut me off within 10 seconds as coach. If I can come back, I want to come back. There you go. (laughs) There's one. Yeah. And so, I mean, there was no and and both of them. I we we felt like, you know, they had the way it ended this year was uh, was just really tough. Um, Neither of them had the greatest years. And I think both of them wanted another crack at it. Um, so, um, so we were willing to find a way to make it happen. Um, if they wanted to come back, but I wanted it to be their decision. I wasn't going to say, Hey, you know, you guys should really think about coming back. I mean, sure. it, what that wasn't going to work if, if it wasn't coming from them. So, um, so Josh was just like, if, if we can find and make it work, let's do it. Let's do it. I want to do it. So then I had, then we had to go, 
um, figure out the scholarship situation. But um, and then with Clay, um, I mean, no, no one really wants to do another year of school, right? I mean, it's like I got another year of school. I thought it was going to be done, you know, this kind of stuff. And both Josh and Clay were that way. Like, what does the school look like? You know, Pepperdine's not, you know, it's not that easy. And um, yeah. so that was a big question. Um, but we worked it out where they both had a class to take to graduate in, in, uh, in May actually. So basically they're taking a minor in the fall and they're going to, they're going to take that one class, their spring season next year. So basically they're going to have one more semester of school and then their last semester is going to have one, they're going to have one class. So it actually worked out great for them. I, I wish I could swing a deal like that. I know. I know. And then Clay, yeah, Clay was just, again, he was like, Hey, if I could come back to be with, be with the, the team and, and you guys for one more year she's like you know he, he was had his mindset on turning pro but there, there really isn't much out there for him to play yeah. at that where he was so he's like i'd love to come back if we if, if we can find a way to make it work so both of them are super excited we're excited to have him back um the team is excited to have him back um you know, I, I, it sounds like there's a lot of other teams that, that their seniors are coming back. So there's going to probably be some super stacked. It is going to um, be an incredible program. Yeah, it's going to be an yeah. incredible. And, and you have a lot of teams that are actually picking up these, you know, like you, you're able to bring back these two seniors. There's a lot of teams that can't or they're not. And I mean, Florida just picked up two players from Lynn University. I, saw that. I mean, they just picked I up two that. of Andy Walker's team or kids from Lynn. They yep. got uh, Bustos and. Um, uh, they and then uh, I believe um, Hunter Ostrom for Notre Dame just went to Texas. Yep, yep, so, and then uh, yeah, uh, Oklahoma just added uh, a top fifteen player. So I mean, there's going to be some super teams, you know. And then there's probably going to be we're probably going to see a bigger like um, kind of dispersion from the top to let's say fiftieth. You know, I think there's going to be a little bigger gap. Yep. Um, because then there are then there's seniors that maybe are moving on, you know, they just, either they can't do it or, um, they're just, they just want to move on and they have their freshman coming in that was going to replace, you know, I don't know. I, I've kind of looked at it and talked to other coaches. And I just think there's going to be a, a pretty big size gap between the top and like, like I said, like a 50th ranked team, but, um, you know, you still need five players, you know, I mean, you could have, you could have 10 great ones and but there are only five that are going to be playing well and you so, know uh, and, and you know that when when you get to that national championship and you you get into match play that's when all bets are off and that's who, right who knows what's going to happen um well before i let you go this is the fifth episode featuring a pepperdine university golf um uh, a representative of pepperdine golf uh, let's see we've had uh, Sahith, as I mentioned, William Mao just had Andy Walker recently, part of that 97 national championship team. Jason Gore, uh, Andy's teammate, you are the fifth. Now, I I'm not looking for a set of steak knives here or a watch. I, I actually want to come see this campus in Malibu, and naturally you're going to need to be my host. So tell me, what does a golf weekend look like in Malibu, California? You're my tour guide. Mm. What, what mm. do I need to see and do? Um, uh, you know, I'm a Florida guy, so this, you know, but, but Malibu, I mean, get out of here. I mean, what, what I mean, can I show, can I show you Pepperdine? I mean, is that what's, uh, I, I mean you, well, you're my host. Show me what, what do I need to see in Malibu? What does a good Malibu golf weekend look like? Well, well, we, I mean, if we're going to do it right. Yeah, well, gonna, I, I, yeah. We only do things right around here. I mean, come on. Okay. <laughs> um, 
you know, I, I got to show you campus. Uh, I got to show you around there and kind of what, uh, go all the way to the top and show you kind of the views, obviously, but um, just where you can see the whole campus. And um, we might have to go down to uh, uh, John's Garden there or, or somewhere down um, in Malibu for lunch. A lot, okay. There are a lot of good pe people watching down there, you know, and uh, and then um, and then we might we might head over. We'd have to go through the canyon and go play Sherwood in the afternoon. Okay, okay so that's <laughs> that's uh that's probably about one o'clock we'll do that and because you're staying in malibu we might have to go back to uh we might have to go back to nobu for dinner holy cow <laughs> Which, this is... so but yeah that's a that's a um that would be and then maybe wake up and you know you could go to the beach sunday morning um you know and maybe practice hit a few balls on campus before you leave for the airport <sighs> There you go. I mean, there's my weekend. I'm on. Let me let me check my travel schedule, and I will make this happen. Um, this is great, uh, uh, Coach. I, I, this has been a lot of fun. I, I knew we were gonna have a great uh, great chat. I man, I, I'm thinking about all the great things you're getting to do now at Pepperdine, but I'm also thinking about just Champions Tour in the '90s. Uh, that's a whole, that's a whole other episode. But um, I hope we can catch up again soon. And, and it sounds like you are. Uh, well on your way to uh, to another great season in Pepperdine next year, and and uh, I'll be following along. I know a lot of my listeners will be too. So uh, I appreciate you stopping by the back of the range, and, and uh, let's do it again soon. All right, thanks Ben for having me. And there you have it. Special thanks to Michael Beard, head coach of Pepperdine Men's Golf. Great information about the collegiate game. I love the stories about his dad on the senior tour. Hopefully, I'll be able to get his dad on a future episode. So make sure that you're following along on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Don't forget the website is thebackoftherange.com. That's where you can get every single episode in the history of this podcast. I am out of here. Next stop is TPC Sawgrass. I'm heading up to South Carolina as well, then back to Tampa. So make sure you're following along on social media. I'll provide some photos and video. And don't worry, next week you'll have a brand new episode to listen to right here at the back of the range.